You're listening to the Boise Community Church Podcast. We desire to be a people who are following Jesus authentically and missionally. For more information, please visit boisecommunitychurch.org. Please turn to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to pray one more time as we get ready to get, get started. Father, we come to you with open hearts, open minds, and a desire for your word which we believe is is holy, it's special, it divides between the bone and the marrow, but deep in our soul. And so Lord, we do, we, we lay ourselves out before you, Lord, and ask for you to speak and ask for you to move. I thank you that you love us as your people and have a desire to speak to us as your church. And so we just pray that you would move this morning and that we would sense your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to start with a question. It's a rhetorical question, so you don't, don't feel, like you, feel like you have to respond. But if you think about the people that you generally spend time with, or who do you naturally gravitate towards? Me and my wife, we talk about this with our kids all the time, because in kids it's really obvious. You know, They'll kind of gravitate towards the rule followers or the kids that were more like me and were a little bit of the rule breakers. Um, and the free spirit, that's what I always like to say, the free spirit and then the passionate. Um, <laughs> But if you think about it, who do you spend your t- naturally gravitate towards? Who do you spend time with? Because who we spend time with actually says a lot about us. Because those that we want to spend time with and those that we avoid spending time with, these are the people that will inevitably shape how we move throughout our lives. And they end up giving us our values. <coughs> And what we hold on to, the people that we call our close friends and and confidants. And something that's interesting when we think about this, we actually naturally spend time with those that we think we can benefit from. Which I know that sentence probably sounds really uncomfortable because you're like, that makes me sound really selfish. The ugly version of this is, you know, we we kiss up to our boss because we want the raise or we want this thing or we're trying to get something from someone. The more natural and normal way we see this playing out and probably the more, you know, acceptable way for us to be able to receive that is wanting to spend time with someone because you want a relationship with them. I didn't just happen to run into Kylie. I saw her at a college group, super funny because she doesn't remember this, but I saw her and I was like, I'm going to get to know this girl because I wanted a romantic relationship with her because I thought she was super beautiful and and just really kind. I obviously won out. Um, or if there's a casual way, if we want to spend time with someone just to become friends with them. Or we will spend time with those who can teach us something or teach us a skill. 
Maybe it's someone you'd like to work out with or a mom or a dad that raises their children in a way that you admire. They're incredibly patient and kind and gracious and intentional. You know, I've spent time with men who I enjoyed because I, I enjoyed the, seeing the way that they showed up with their spouse because they did treat their spouse with such love and reverence and and just would praise their spouse, where that was a rare thing in my upbringing. And so the question this morning is, who do you gravitate towards, you know, or in the words of Jesus, who will you receive? And I know that there are those that choose to be by themselves or only be with their immediate family. But on, And honestly, I'm guilty of that. I kind of fall into that camp. Most people are kind of surprised by that because they're like, man, you got so much going on. You're probably hanging with people all the time. That's, that's actually not the case. I spend a lot of time by myself uh, and I'm guilty of that. You know, just hanging with my family and, and being in that space, which can ultimately lead me to becoming incredibly isolated. I work remotely. I work out alone. I do the majority of my spiritual practices alone. Um, and too much isolation will always lead you to becoming unhealthy. And actually, there was a research study that was called the Rat Park Experiments between 1978 and 1981. I came across this this week in one of my things I was reading, and it said there were these two groups of rats that these scientists were studying. One, the first group of rats were isolated by themselves uh, but they were put into like their dream environment. So they had lots of cheese and tunnels to explore and colorf colorful balls to play with. And they were given a canister of regular water. And then right next to it, they were given a canister of water that had been laced with heroin and or cocaine. And so the first group of these isolated rats, oh, almost 95%, I want to say it's 99, but I, I lowered it because I was like, I want to make sure... I'm good. Of the rat, these rats drank themselves to death on this drugged water. They starved themselves drinking this drugged water and would eventually overdose. But the second group of rats, they were placed in the same environment, but they had other rats around them, and the death rate significantly dropped. Community for these rats was life saving, and it's no different for us. God created all of us to be relational. And I know there is a need to be alone, too, because I need that personally. But it's a fine balance. And so the question of where do we, who do we receive and who do we accept is really important. Because the question I have for you is, are you in community? This is why I was talking about missional communities and why right now I'm doing a shameless plug for missional communities. Because I believe we need each other. We need to be more than just speaking kind words to one another on a Sunday morning gathering, but to be connected in a deep and meaningful way. Because there are men in this room that I text when I'm having a hard time, whether that's at work or that's maritally or I'm struggling in my role as a father. Because it's in MC that you have the opportunity to become, be in a place to be seen to be known, to be loved. And so I want to I extend that to you 
and, and once again encourage you, man, jump into MC. Be a part of that. And man, if Thursdays doesn't work and you want to start an MC, come talk to me. I would love to, to see another one open up. And so with that, we're going to look at who Jesus receives this morning. So if you have your Bibles open to Mark 10, we're going to start in verse 13. It says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said, or he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher. He declared, I've kept all these since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich man? Sorry, how hard is it? For the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus again said again, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but, with, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with the persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And so in our passage, you see that we have two groups. We have the children and the, and the parents, and we have, sorry, the children and the parents, and then we have this rich man. And so we need to remember what's going on in this culture. I want to bring us back to the context of this. And we've talked about this recently because we've been talking about Jesus with kids. But... The children socially in ancient Israel, they weren't celebrated. They weren't highly valued. In the immediate family, they were loved and there was, there was excitement, but, as a, but they carried this social status of the common slave. Children were seen in society almost on the level of a burden because they were another mouth to feed and another person to take care of. They had to be told exactly what to do and had to be led in every task, very similar to today. Our kids are, you know, kids are still kids. Um, and they usually were not able to get as much work done 
effectively and efficiently. Surprise. And so children weren't valued because they didn't necessarily bring anything to the table. They didn't have anything to offer. They were seen as a cost culturally. Just sad. Their culture actually would value those that were older as the sages in their community. Something, And it's funny to be alive in our current age because it almost feels like it's flipped. We have this great, great celebration and love for youth, but you don't see that as much with the elderly. But in their day, they, they valued the, the elderly as the sages of their community because they brought wisdom and knowledge and experience. And today, we place a great deal of value on youth and children. And so we can look at this story with Jesus and the disciples and see the disciples shooing off these children, shooing off these parents as ignorant, as rude, as offensive. But in their day, this was common practice. In their mind, Jesus needed to be with those that were important. Because children were not seen as those who could provide anything. Like I said, children by nature are completely dependent on receiving from someone else. There's not a child in our community that provides their own food, provides their own clothes, provides their own shelter. It's all a gift from someone else. And so there's this idea. That's why the disciples were shooing away these children because Jesus need to be with those that were important. Well, who's, are, who's important? Well, those that can further the mission that Jesus is on. And if you think about it, it's a very interesting concept of what's going on here. But Jesus doesn't respond the way the disciples expect, the way that other religious leaders would have been, because children may have ran up to them and they'd be like, get out of here. I have some teachings to deliver. I have some work to do. But Jesus doesn't allow them to be pushed away. Instead, it actually says that Jesus is frustrated with his disciples. And instead, he wraps his arms around these children and he blesses them. And this is part of why we actually do a blessing over the children before we send them to their class. Because we believe Jesus wants us to be blessing the children like he did. And he uses it as an opportunity to speak of how the kingdom of God actually belongs to those that are like these children. And I don't think he means like, hey, we just need to become like children where we're selfish and we're, you know, all the different, the negative sides of being a child. But he's talking about something really important here. The disciples are shocked because they're, they don't understand what's going on. Jesus is saying these are actually really important and they are the receivers of the kingdom because they're always receivers. And that's how we're supposed to be. And then the disciples are surprised even more by what happens next as Jesus interacts with this rich man. We know him, if you've been in church, as the, the rich young ruler. And he's this rich man who had great wealth, which most likely would translate to great power, to great influence, to great opportunity 
for the disciples. And so this is the man who is coming who wants to follow Jesus. And he had a lot he could give. He could introduce Jesus to other wealthy individuals or important people in the community. He could bankroll Jesus' entire ministry. And honestly, as someone who has started a church and knows people that have helped plant churches, this is the one that anyone that is starting a company, a business, a ministry is praying that they run into and they meet. Those that believe in the cause and that want to help with the mission in practical ways. And so the disciples would have been watching this interaction when this man comes in and falls on his knees and he's ready to become this follower of Jesus. And they're like, that's it, man. This is going to be great. We are about to have, we're about to be set. Camels galore. And the disciples would have been like, Jesus, take, let's take this guy. He can help us. But as we recount the story, he shows up and falls on his knees and begs Jesus to know the way of eternal life. He's saying, what do I need to do? And so Jesus says, hey, you know the commands. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat others. Honor your father and mother. And we know what the man says. He responds, I've done it. I've, I've kept these things since I was a kid. But this next part's important for us. Jesus looks at the man, and what does it say? If you have your Bible, look. He loves him. I've never noticed that part in this story before. I've taught this story countless times. But Jesus in this moment pauses and looks into this man's eyes. This man that's begging for an opportunity to understand how to receive eternal life, to really feel confident in salvation. And he, but Jesus looks at him and loves him. And I think what's interesting to me is he loves him, but he is about to completely decimate this man. And to, to, to crush this man's spirit with the power of his words. Because I've always imagined this story as Jesus just bringing this man into reality, just kind of spouting out truth. Knowing what's going on in this man's heart, he's like, yeah, you want to follow me, but you're just selfish and you just love money. So that's kind of why you're not allowed to follow me. And I've always imagined this story as I, I, Jesus not really caring about this man's feelings, but realizing that he loved him. It changes the tone of what's going on in this story. Jesus is looking at this man, and he loves him, and he pauses, and he sees him, and he knows him. And to bring this home, he sees he knows and he loves you. And Jesus responds, hey, there's one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and then you can come follow me. 
And the man goes away grieving because he had a lot of things. And Jesus says his famous line, well, how hard is it for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? And the, the part of this story is it, we can get hung up on the money aspect. And that's really not what this is about. What the highlight for us is, is the way, what this highlights for us is that the way of Jesus is different. He brings the children to himself and blesses them. Those that have nothing to offer, no value to his ministry, no forward momentum, but these are the people that he brings in. And he sends away the rich man, the one who has a lot to give and has nothing but benefits if he follows Jesus and, and supports him. And Jesus is honest with him. Hey, there's something missing in you. And I would ask us this morning, is there something missing in each one of us? Because it isn't about what we bring. It's a question of will we, be, will we become like children, those dependent receivers? Because the man was saying, hey, what can I do? How can I show up? What can I bring? Do you need money? Do you need obedience? Do you need all these things? What is it that you're looking for? And this man is asking about eternal life, and Jesus is offering him a spot to become one of his followers. But that's not what this man's asking for, if you notice. He didn't say, Jesus, I, I just want to follow you. He said, hey, how do I get eternal life? Because what was missing in this man's life was discipleship. Or as we call it all the time, he, he didn't want to be a follower of Jesus. He wanted the get-out-of-hell-free card. And sadly, this man was unable to depart from his wealth because Jesus, and Jesus did. He promised him, hey, you can depart, get rid of these because you're going to have riches in heaven. And so about this wealth, his wealth was his comfort, his security, his, and it honestly was his identity. The hard part of this message is, if we're honest, we are like this rich man. And maybe you're like, I'm not rich. I don't have a ton of extra money. And, you know, I can't bankroll someone's ministry. And you're like, yeah, that's, you know, that's true. You know, I work a regular job like everybody else on top of pastoring. I don't have a lot to give. And like I said, though, earlier, it's not entirely about the money. Again, Jesus' Jesus's ask was, are you willing to let go of your most prized possession? Are you willing to let go of what brings you comfort? Are you willing to let go of yourself to become like me and to be with me? Are you willing to let go of what you can offer me? And are you willing to become a follower of me and become like me? And sadly, the man isn't able to say yes. It was too much of a loss for him. It was too scary. Where we are like this man is we all have areas that we don't want God reaching in and touching. For some, it may be a secret pornography addiction or a struggle with alcohol. It could be a struggle with drugs. Maybe you're carrying a bitterness in your soul, a form of hatred towards someone. Maybe it's the pride of how you live. Because you are, you're morally good and noble. And that's what makes you feel confident to stand before people. 
Or maybe you stand on your career or your successes. And I believe Jesus comes to each of us this morning and asks, are we willing to leave those things behind and follow him? And not like, hey, go live really recklessly so you can be a follower of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a matter of our hearts. Are we following Jesus to the truest sense? Or are we standing culturally on our own merits? Because we're like, I'm just a good person. Because I don't think, according to this, what this man is, he is a good person. Because Jesus is after more than just your attendance in church or what you think about him or making sure you read the right books and listen to the right podcasts. He's after your heart, your way of life. And I believe Jesus is asking us this morning, will you leave that thing or allow what has been an issue to fall away and will you become a follower of me? Because I do, I love you, I see you, I promise you, I have a better way of life for you. This is why the rich young ruler wasn't received and the children were. So when we ask the question, who did Jesus receive? He received those that did not bring anything, any real value. And he turned away the man that had everything except for the heart that was willing to submit to him. The children were coming with open hands, ready to be received, and he did receive them. Why Jesus says it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven is because If we're all honest, money is something that we find peace in, we find security in, we find rest in. And all of us have lived through some financial times and crisis where we saw money not be a stable place. But the issue is not about whether you have money or not. It is around what are you finding security in? What are you finding safety in? And this, this convicts me to the heart, man. Am I willing to allow Jesus to really have that place where he's able to speak into every area of my life? My habits and the ways that I talk and the ways that I live? Or will I continue to live in a way where I just look at other people and I go, you know, it may not be the best, but probably in the top 20%, you know, on a good day. (laughs) Am I willing to leave everything to follow Jesus? So Peter comes back to Jesus and he says, we've left everything and followed you. I love Peter because Peter feels, I feel like if I was walking, you know, step in step with Jesus, I feel like I would say a lot of the same things. I'd be like, I'm awesome. Uh, in verse 29, Jesus speaks this promise over to his disciples. And also for us this morning, though, he says, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age 
homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with the persecutions, and in the end to come, eternal life. And the first will be last, and the last will be first. And so those of you that are followers of Jesus, you may lose family and friends. I have. (laughs) You'll lose the freedom of certain things, but you will gain so much more. It's giving up, but in the end, you gain so much more. I've seen where people have lost lots, and God has brought others to fill those gaps, brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. And I've seen it personally, and it's honestly the most beautiful thing to see. But the key to receiving that promise is we need to come to Jesus and be dependent and follow him in all the areas of our lives. Because all of us fall short. All of us can find healing and wholeness in him. But for us to be able to do that, we have to be ready to receive him. Because here's the part of the story. Jesus was ready to receive this man. But what kept him on the outside was his own desires. And so he is ready to receive us, but the real question is, are we, really, are we willing to receive him in his way of life that he is calling us to? And so it's with that this morning, I want to I take a moment to pray for us before we come to the table this morning. Father, I thank you that you have brought the kingdom to us, that you've given it as a gift for us as your people. Jesus, you see who we are right now. You know what is going on in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. And Jesus, I pray we would be able to receive you this morning as you look at us and you love us. I pray that we would be honest where we are at with you, Lord. Some of us carry wounds and hurts and difficult circumstances. Some of us feel unsure about what following you really looks like. But Jesus, I ask for a faith that is willing to take the risk and be obedient and to respond to you in the stillness of our own hearts. And so, Lord, we ask this morning, may you speak, may you move, Lord. May you bring life where there is none. May you find those that are lost. And so we love you, Jesus, and it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Boise Community Church. To find more resources and information about Boise Community Church or to give to the mission of Boise Community Church, please visit us online at boisecommunitychurch.org. If you were encouraged by today's podcast, please rate and review it so more people can discover the hope and joy of Jesus' love.